What the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 Canadians racing south of their border and stealing all our prizes away. I'm your co-host, Davey. With me, I've got Brian today. How are you, Brian? Sup, sup. I'm doing well. And uh, we have a special guest today, uh, one of said, well, G, uh, you, you're here and uh, I don't know that you uh, identify as Canadian. You said you uh, you are French originally, but you've been living in Canada for about 10 years. Is that, am I remembering that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, welcome onto the podcast. We're, uh, we're glad to have you here. We are excited and you are here specifically because when we we're looking at the roster of lists, uh, uh, Phil and I did kind of a breakdown pre-Worlds. And we were really excited that someone took Siren Eye. Uh, so we, we, <laughs> we want to talk to you about that. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that and a kind of a broader overview of Worlds is, is what we'll be talking about today. So welcome aboard. Well, thanks for the invite, guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for context, we're recording on the 29th of November. Uh, we are expecting Dagox Stab Lads to be coming up sometime soon. They got previewed. You guys probably got to be in the room when it was being previewed. I don't know. You, you were there when it was getting talked about. So, um, but, uh, for folks who haven't, they can see it on, uh, the Warhammer community site. Not exactly sure when they'll drop, but, uh, one, one usually assumes pretty soon after they give that big of a reveal. Yeah. Excited for it. Mike yeah. finally gets another war band. <laughs> yeah. Mike being our purely orc player, uh, hot takes from you guys based on what you've seen. What do you think? G? Uh, I think they're interesting. The, the guy with the massive horn uh, appeals to me the most, just in terms of miniature. Yeah. Uh, but they, 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 they look like a, a fun warband in the in the vein of what the cunning crew was. Uh, very very cruel boys. So I'm excited to see the the missing profile that we don't have yet, and uh, what is exactly uh, their objective deck. Yeah, and they they have their own plot card where they're uh, was it plot traps uh not schemes schemes schemes. yeah they they come up with schemes and they get benefits for how many of those they they pulled off it's weird it's like a gambit speed thing but it stays hidden so it's kind of like uh painting a middle ground but when they come out we'll have a chance to talk about them more uh i thought the miniatures are cool they didn't like light my hair on fire and that almost always means that it's a war band i'm going to play like (laughs) for some reason like the war bands that i'm like "Ah," and then i see them in person like no actually i love these and i ended up playing them so uh i hope so i I had a lot of fun with the kind of crew um so i I hope these guys have some more of that trickery shenanigans going on i'm sure they do yeah hopefully schemes work better than loon court's quests (laughs) yeah we'll see uh, so normally we have done what the heck is going on with you. That's kind of the topic of this whole episode is to talk about what's been going on with you two guys. Uh, so before we get to that, we'll do community shout outs. Brian, did you have anything you wanted to, to shout out there? Uh, yeah, LVO is coming up. It'll be in January. Uh, just still time to sign up for it. Uh, the, what the heck's crew will be rolling out in force. There's going to be at least six of us going, I think more like eight or nine. And we're going to yeah. have... Uh, we're going to meet the Underworld's Underground crew as well, face-to-face, uh, yeah. building a little self-promotion there. Sleek's <laughs> Bowl challenged me to a pink slip match, and I was the only one dumb enough to sign up. So, For those who may not know that vernacular, that means they are uh, – well, why don't you lay out for us? What does it mean is paying for, playing for pink slips? I think it comes from like underground street racing type stuff <laughs> where you're essentially playing for the title or the deed to your vehicle. Uh, in this case, <laughs> a painted war band. So yeah. we'll see who's 
the sucker. The, the but, winner will win a painted warband from the other, which yeah. uh, is making me nervous just to think about, and I'm not even playing in it. So It's Vegas, <laughs> baby. You got to gamble something. <laughs> you'll, you'll be our proxy for that. But what I, I've, I've kind of told some folks, but it is, uh, I don't know that I've said it on the podcast. I, I'll be going with you guys to LVO. This will be my first LVO. Um, Adepticon, because of how it lands, it's kind of tough for me to make it to the clash in that. So this is my chance to be at a clash so i'm excited for that and we got to make sure uh derek doesn't steal our prizes again (laughs) got to meet him yeah formidable man (laughs) no doubt i wanted to shout out battle mallet they already have an episode out with uh, zach newcomb where they they talk about his experience at worlds and that was kind of cool uh zach newcomb a name i know a guy i played a bunch and just haven't interacted with uh, a whole lot lately i haven't been able to be uh online quite as much uh, it was really cool to hear him. He's one of the nicest guys in the world. So that was awesome. Yeah, it was great. To, I ran into so many people at Worlds where I was like, uh, Zach Newcomb uses his name on Discord. So it's like I knew him ex- immediately. Oh, yeah. hello. <laughs> Getting <laughs> yeah. to meet those internet personalities that I'd, before I became a member of What the Hex, uh, heard a lot of chatter. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, a lot of, lot of folks like that at Worlds. It was an absolute shark tank and it, what we're here to talk about yeah uh but first we'd really like to kind of dig into g's experience uh g as a little bit of table setting can you tell us a little bit about uh how long you've been playing underworlds what got you into underworlds and uh and some of that setup before we get to your your quest at worlds here yeah so i've been playing since uh the beginning of dire chasm um so the the way i went uh back into the hobby after i 15 years hiatus is uh, COVID obviously uh, took uh, a lot of my usual hobbies, uh, which are very outdoorsy, uh, very sports oriented. And uh, I was stuck at home and there there was only so many video games that I could play. So like, well, you know what? I'm going to tap into my uh, childhood and uh, teenage years again, and I'm going to buy some miniatures, a paintbrush and, and get to painting. And uh, I was, uh, back in the day of Warhammer Fantasy Battle, a high health player and a slanish player. And just as I was uh, browsing uh, Games Workshop, the Dire Cousin box immediately appealed to me. Oh, uh, perfect. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Lumineth and, um, and slanish. Like, okay, that's interesting. That's also, uh, you know, what I thought was a kind of one-off box game. I was like, okay, cool. So I can get to play with those miniatures and uh, ordered the box, got it in. Uh, first, only for painting. And then I started looking at the rules. like, well, wait a minute. Uh, this game looks excellent. So I'm going to try to see if there's a community. And that's when all the online games were starting to to ramp up. Uh, Vassal, but also the webcam games that were uh, very uh, popular at the time. The Straight Out of, out of Shadespire. Uh, right. Some of the, some of the groups uh, in the UK as well. Yeah. Um, they were doing a lot of webcam at the time. So so that's how I started. Uh, I, I don't have much of a local meta, so so that's uh, still how I'm playing most of my most of my games. Uh, online uh, and uh, yeah I really really got into the game uh, got hooked up and now I need my plastic crack every, every <laughs> one or two months you know welcome yeah so have you been pretty pretty all in ever since Dire Chasm would you say 
Oh yeah, like yeah. Uh, so. So the, so that's the only system that I play. So it makes things a little bit easier on the wallet and on the on the painting time. So I've purchased everything that got released uh, since I started the game. Awesome. And uh, and I only have a three warbands pile of shame right now. So I'm trying to keep up to date as much as possible. Oh man, I am an well order done. of magnitude higher than that. Like I I have probably five times that many like on my desk right now unpainted. So hats off to you, sir. Uh, I I need to figure my life out. <laughs> uh, well, that's cool. So you. You qualified for Worlds. Oh, how did you get a world slot? Uh, so I went to the Alberta Classic. Uh, oh. So you were talking about Derek. Uh, he's the one who's TOing uh, the, the Alberta Classic. They, they have a very healthy group in Calgary. Uh, mm-hmm. Say like uh, Calgary and Vancouver are really the two hubs for Underworlds in Canada. Uh, and so I was like, well, it's not exactly my backyard, but it's still a three, four hours flight away. Uh, maybe it's time to get uh, out of my basement and all off my computer a little bit and, you know, show those models to people and just put them on, on a physical board. Uh, so when there, uh, I played FLM, which at the time was the top dog. Uh, they're still pretty strong. Uh, yeah. So... Um, uh, I, I got to qualify there. Uh, it was a great experience. Uh, I got to to meet the the Canadian players as well. Uh, quite a few of them, as you've mentioned, also were at Worlds. So we kind of came there as a group. I was hesitating for a while. Uh, should I declare for France or should I declare for Canada? Oh, uh, just in terms of, uh, uh, you know, what, what's, uh, what's going to be best for the game? Uh, in general, uh, it was not really about me at the time. Like the decision was, uh, what, what's going to look better uh, in terms of participation. And uh, I heard there was another French player that was going to go, and I kind of wanted to be part of the group. Uh, it's an amazing group, and they just being with those five other guys make the experience that much better. So I'm I'm happy I'm happy that uh, that, that I declared for Canada in the end. That's cool. So the Alberta Classic was it Nemesis? Uh, yes. And yes, yes. what did you pair with with your F1? Uh, Fearsome Fortress at the okay. time. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. So so obviously th- there were quite a few FLMs. All of them were uh, Seismic Shock. Mm. Uh, I still believe, and despite the fact that uh, Cyril uh, got to the final with Force of Frost, I still believe Fearsome Fortress to be probably the strongest deck for for FLM. Uh, it's just more resilient. It's always gonna you know, win by less, but still win. Whereas yeah. uh, Seismic Shock, Force of Frost, uh, you're very often going to blow your opponents, but sometimes they're going to blow you. Sure. Yeah, you've got uh, higher highs and lower lows, a little, little more var- variance in them. Yeah. Uh, well, you did not take FLM to Worlds. Uh, you took Siren Eyes, uh, which is part of the reason you're on here. How far out from Worlds had you decided that you were bringing this warband and what made you decide to bring them? Okay, so about as soon as they got revealed, uh, I was like, I want to play that warband. I'm going to see if it's possible, obviously, but uh, it really started with the miniatures. Uh, I, I love the theme. Uh, I love the models. Uh, and I was like, okay, I, I, I'm excited for, for these miniatures in particular. Uh, what they showed at the time was 
you know, enough to say there's going to be an interesting ability, which is Hammertide. I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna talk about it a little bit. And <laughs> yeah. otherwise, uh, I know you have a, a full episode on Saturday night, so I'll, I won't uh, repeat what has been said there. But it's like, okay, that's an interesting, different way to play the game. Um, so, so right from the realism, I'm like, okay, I'm 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 gonna look at this one, and just keep this one in mind like i had a list of maybe four or five warbands that i might bring and uh, uh later on we had a few uh, preparation meetings uh leading into worlds uh, we had uh draft and then final versions of the rules package and how painting was going to be weighted mm-hmm. and uh i am not a like extremely good painter but i i like to try to put some effort in my miniatures and i was like okay i also kind of want to bring a warband that i have not painted yet because this way i can put maximum efforts uh and you know try to push myself uh in in, in that aspect uh, of the competition as well um just uh to to get um you know as much global points as possible and just embrace the experience completely both on the playing aspect and on the painting aspect so so really i was like this fits the bill unfortunately i had just painted my domitan uh so i was like okay <laughs> i'm not i'm not gonna bring unfortunately domitan because i, I kind of knew they were strong especially after the, the release of, of force of frost but uh it didn't matter much i was like okay i found a warband that i really like i'm really excited about let's see well what they can do when they actually release and uh and if i get some success in practice games with them uh then i'll bring them and i'll take the time to paint them so obviously uh i was looking at the the time window and i was like okay i got three four weeks to paint them it's probably enough for me uh and then they got delayed Mm, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and I was starting to think, okay, how long is it going to be delayed for? If I can get my hands on them, like just a week before Worlds, that's not enough to put the effort I, I, I want to put. Uh, so what I did is I called my sister that lives in Europe and said, uh, "What are you doing next Saturday?" Right, so, <laughs> so what you're doing is going to Games Workshop, buying that box for mm-hmm. me, and shipping it. Uh, and so, and, and she did, uh, she, she went there, uh, she grabbed the box on release and, uh, she put it in a meal, uh, and DHL delivered, uh, a few days later. So I still had it, uh, about three weeks leading into the event. Okay. And, uh, and I, and I was able to, you know, focus, uh, on the painting, well, probably not as much as I would love, love to, but as much as time. And life would allow me to. With with the time you did have, you still made second you, uh, to the second round of painting. So, absolutely got got a great amount of work in there. Yeah, um, and and uh, and I know that uh, score uh, reflects obviously the, the technical aspect and the choices, and I'm very happy with that. But a lot of people actually uh, came to me and said they really like them. Just uh, kind of got a few unofficial people's choices. So that's what made me uh, really, really happy about, about the effort I put in and, and uh, uh, my, my painting choices. Like I, I knew that uh, on the technical aspects, I couldn't compete with the 
very, very good and experienced painters. Uh, so Sylvester and, uh, and Yuri that uh, snatched first and second place. Uh, but just, uh, you know, I was just happy to, to, to showcase uh, the love I put in the miniatures and, uh, and people understood that and, and I really loved it. Well, yeah, because awesome. not only did you make it a second cut, but you buried the lead there that you got third place for best painted. Yes. So congrats. Thank you. That's cool. When you were in your preparation, so you're you're on this uh, three-week mission to get them painted, but at the same time, you're trying to figure out what to pair them with. Uh, it looks like, am I correct, Void Cursed Thralls is what you paired with? Yes. Is Was that a decision that you reached early on, or was there anything else in contention? No, so uh, the way I looked at the warband... Uh, so, so, so first we did a, a little bit of a, a deep analysis of it, and uh, they have design issues. Uh, let's face it, there's a few things that are not quite clicking uh, uh, from the start, and I think uh, that that's probably a warband that went through a lot of iterations. Uh, you can tell that uh, some of their power deck in particular is probably expecting fighters, more fighters to be on two dodge. Uh, mm. Uh, because there's a lot of guard tech in there, and when you look at their profiles, like, well, what, am, what am I going to do with guard tech when most right. of my fighters are, are are on one block, yeah. and some of them inspire to one block artificially on guard? <laughs> so I was like, okay, this does yeah. really nothing for me. So, yeah. so I think I think I think at some points a few changes to the profiles were made, and uh, probably the power deck was already locked in at that at that point. So. Uh, Overall, if you look at the objectives, they're they're okay, but compared to what has been released recently, where uh, we're in an era where each modern warband has at least one or two or three very easy surges, one or two very reliable to glory end phases, uh, especially the the top dogs. Like sometimes you feel like, uh, okay, put put miniatures on the board, search one glory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so so that that's kind of what. Uh, drags them behind a little bit. Uh, it's just like it's hard to get a fluid deck, especially in Nemesis. Whereas mm-hmm. the, the Domitans, the the Athelims, obviously, Axbane uh, a little bit less, but still, like they, they still have a very very fluid scoring even in Nemesis, and that's what separates them from the other warbands. Um, so upgrades you could work with objectives. You had enough, but it was not really really great. And gambits are terrible. Uh, that's that's unfortunately what what makes it a little bit hard uh, to play them, especially in Nemesis. Is in the gambit department, you've got two spells that are good. One spell that would be good if it was on a one focus one channel, and I don't understand why GW still wants to print uh, two channel uh, spells in warbands that don't have innates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so so unfortunately, you cannot afford to compete competitively take that uh so so really i was looking for a pairing that had uh enough objectives a lot of good gambits and uh and a few good upgrades so that kind of limits the pool a little bit i know people try them with fearsome fortress uh they don't have the staying power i think to to play fearsome fortress the force of frost is uh one serious contender and i think they can be played with force of frost as well uh it's probably easier to play like uh if you're listening to this and having some 
local tournaments you want to have fun with, uh, first of all, is a good option. Uh, you can do fun stuff with uh, Strangleholds and uh, the Squid. Uh, you have more spells uh, that are useful for Saranai. But I, I landed in the end on Void Curse because it kind of plugged the holes that I had uh, identified in a warband that, well, you want to take the Void Curse package. That's quite a few gambits that you can take. Plus, there is... Uh, on top of that, very few repositioning uh, gambits in Nemesis, and Void Curse has, has quite a lot of these. Same thing with the repositioning upgrades, and all of this is strong with Sirenai, because, uh, and we're going to talk about this, you want to be in line. You want to play chess, you want to play diagonals, you want to play rooks. <laughs> so yeah. Sirenai is a rook on the long board, or Sirenai is a bishop on the um, on, on the square board, right? If, if mm-hmm, right. In, in chess terms. And every out-of-sequence repositioning that you could put with her uh, is going to help you further your game plan. So uh, obviously she, she cannot really benefit from the Void Curse ones, uh, but because you don't want her to be Void Curse because you want her to be able to use her hammer tight. Right. But she can benefit from the upgrades that do not require Void Curse. Uh, the refashion reactions, refashion priorities. So like all, all of this blend together uh, kind of made me pick Void Curse as a pairing. Uh, it was also, you know, going to put uh, caster warbands in a more uncomfortable position. If you know your your Aphilim, if you know your uh, Domitan and you're playing into Void Curse, then tokens are off limits for you for uh, to, to avoid being Void Curse yourself. Um, uh, you, you're I, talking worrying about the uh, the, the snare. Reshaping snare. Yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. So Until you see that, you can't it's risky to go on to those objectives. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and ju- just in general, uh, it gives uh, more, you know, pressure. It puts more pressure on your opponent in their positioning, in, in the way they have to think. And that's also kind of what is the strength of Saranai is it throws opponents off of their game plan. Uh, you cannot really compete like head to head with a lot of the strong warbands. So you have to play, more KG, you have to deny more, uh, you have to play their deck almost as much as yours, and Void Curse is the one that allows you to do that the best, uh, just because you have a few more uninteractive objectives in um, Unceasing Imperatives and Unwitting Guardians, so that's uh, all Void Curse that move or charge or um, a Void Curse Fighter is on the fear token. So so all, all this kind of put this plan together of I can stay back and I want to stay back as long as possible until I pull the trigger and I have the cards to support that. Mm. So that's how I landed on that pairing. Yeah, really cool. Uh, you mentioned having to basically play against the opponent's deck and control. It sounds like control play. Uh, out of interest... Uh, how much practice did you? How many practice games did you get with this pairing with Sirenai? And then, like before this, how familiar were you with Void Cursed? Uh, did you were you playing Void Cursed a lot? Just kind of curious from a outside perspective on like what it takes to take a brand new fresh warband and uh, play at this level. Yes, so I uh, I did play Void Curse a lot before. Uh, I played uh, against it a lot as well. Uh, I know that uh, some some uh, metas completely embraced Void Curse. Some 
of them are a little bit more cold on it. Uh, I just, uh, it's a deck that I really love. Uh, I'm more of a position player than a dice player. So yes. I, 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 I don't think I've had a game with Tooth and Claw. <laughs> uh, just, uh, just because uh, I, I understand uh, why it is strong, but that's not the style of play that uh, appeals to me. Uh, I will, I will always try to, you know, play the warband and or the um, the deck that gives me uh, more shenanigans, more options rather than raw stats. And um, so, so I was quite familiar with Fortress to begin with, and like the the, the the, the mistake that some people do thinking of Voidcrest is, oh, well, I've got one or two fighters that I absolutely don't want Voidcrest, so I cannot play that deck. And that's the case yeah. with Saranite. You, you never want to, to Voidcrest Saranite, obviously. But the other three, you have really no problem getting getting them Voidcrest. And we've also seen that in Hexbane, where two players uh, at Worlds brought Voidcrest Hexbane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which uh, which is also a, a, a strong pairing, and the same thing. Like you never want Puck to be Voidcrest. You never want uh, <laughs> Hexbane uh, himself. Hexbane himself, and you probably want to avoid Bridget as well. So that's yeah. already half of your warband that you don't want Voidcrest, but still, it's a pairing that works just yeah. because of positioning options on top of positioning options that Hexbane already has. Uh, so, so yeah, that was quite familiar with the deck to begin with uh obviously the warband not so much nobody was at that time yeah how uh, many games did you get to play with the two it, it, it's uh so I, I played quite a few games before like uh finalizing the pairing so i'd say that i'd have like a six or seven eight kind of test games with different things. Uh, my first idea was Path of Prophecy, by the way, uh, no. which yeah, which <laughs> which work and doesn't work. Uh, you're a little bit too dependent on draw order and objectives that you mm-hmm. get in your territory because you have to get into those numbered and you don't have enough to um, uh, to, to take the, the upgrades and uh, to manipulate the numbers. So, so it was a little bit too re- reliant on draw. But in terms of... Uh, power deck that was the best hmm. uh, you just uh you just can't score uh, enough to keep up with the glory engines that the modern most modern strong warbands have or like big semi-older warbands like headcracker also have in terms of, of scoring so you even if you're outplaying them eventually they're going to outscore you mm. so so that's why path of prophecy was cut but in terms of uh, power deck, that that was working extremely well uh, when you had the the correct numbers to match the objective you had in hand, you were unstoppable. But that's just too unreliable. Yeah. Uh, so so that that was probably six seven yeah games uh, getting to know the warband and test stuff around. And once I decided I was going to play Void Curse, uh, I tried to play as much as possible. Probably, you know, in in the realm of fifteen twenty games uh, against you know, opponents of various level. I was just like uh, trying to grab every game I could uh, on uh, on Vassal when I was available, which was not always easy because I'm also a father. <laughs> so yeah. usually my games go after bedtime. And and uh, and after bedtime in North America, you're, you're in the middle of the night for European players. So mm. it's, uh, it's not always easy. But yeah, pr- probably put in uh, uh, 15 to 20 games once I had the pairing. Uh, I also 
did a lot of uh, simulations, especially with board placements, because uh, mm. that's the other aspect that's extremely important with Cyanide yeah. is uh, we, we haven't said the, the big L word yet, but longboard, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, Cyanide want to longboard. And that was also the thing is in a best of three nemesis, you're guaranteed to have at least one longboard and you cannot afford to lose it. Because if you're losing the one longboard that you have, there's very high chance that you've lost the match. Uh, so I spent a lot of times uh, uh, checking every possible board and what would be my answer uh, against, well, every board that the opponent could give me first. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. I, I, I mapped everything. I came up with a number system as well, just to, to make it uh, a little bit clearer. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then then I practiced with it, learned it, so I can tell you that, for example, um, the Shattered Tower is a two-four in my number system, and that's the lane where I want to put my opponent starting de- uh, starting uh, hexes, so that they can be in line with uh, Sirenai. So so that that's how I approached the um, the, wow. the prep the prep as well as. Uh, I'm going to try to get serious on my board placement, so I don't use any brain power on board right. placement when I'm when I'm at the event itself. Yeah, it's really a, smart. Oh, there's just so many boards now yeah. that it's really easy to kind of get lost if you don't have some sort of shortcut. If you're just, you know, I found it just at casual nights. I like I'm just gonna I'm gonna set four on the top, and I will make myself pick from those four rather than like go through for the perfect one just to get some experience with different boards. But yeah, I, I think that was really, really a clever approach. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, usually what your opponent's going to give you, there's uh, only a few handful of boards that are good against long boards. So, so with the level of opponent that I was expecting, uh, I knew kind of they're going to give me this one or this one or this one. Mm. And, uh, and it didn't fail. <laughs> so, so I was prepared mostly against this ones. Uh, and in general, like I had a, obviously a thought about my first board when I had to place it. And I had two or three options uh, depending on what I thought the opponent would do. And, uh, and then obviously when they were placing the first board, I had six options i used mostly three of them mm. and uh and one was really in response to uh the tendon hollows which is a weird board uh that kind of is all over the place is the one where there's uh staggers everywhere and the starting <laughs> x's everywhere mm-hmm. as well just a total mess yeah yep uh yeah so and that's interesting because you're you're talking about you know, you're talking about a level of player where anyone playing against you should probably be expecting to get long boarded. Uh, and so they, if they've been doing their prep, are prepared to present a board. Like you said, you're expecting to see a set number of boards because those are what people should place if they're expecting to be long boarded. The only thing worse than getting long boarded is getting long boarded and not seeing it coming because then you can really yeah. get, uh, really get set way set back. Um, but when you're at Worlds, you're less likely to run into. Uh, less likely to be able to catch somebody out with that. Out of curiosity, though, did anybody longboard you? Uh, Yuri did. Oh. Yuri longboarded me. Yuri was Domitans? Uh, yes, he was playing Domitans, but with uh, Seismic Shock. So uh. I think the, the longboard is his comfort zone. Uh, he, he didn't really, I think, stop to, to think about who I was playing. 
Mm, and sure. it's just uh, stating to what worked for him uh, in the past. So uh, I, I won that particular game. Uh, so, and, and, and by the way, if you don't have it in the records, it's because I played as a substitute, uh, in the last game. That's, that's why yeah. I ended up playing against Yuri. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's the only, uh, player that longboarded me. Uh, it was still a close game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Domitan, uh, is quite strong against Saranai and quite strong against that deck in particular, uh, obviously just by pure staying power and capacity to score and do a lot of damage, but mm-hmm. also the Sarpon Inspire uh, reaction, which gives you a free push a free push every round, is something that hurts uh, Saranai a lot because, well, you inspire Sarpon, you move a fighter out of the Saranai's line. And mm-hmm. that's, that's in general every warband that has uh, out-of-sequence moves or out-of-sequence pushes, uh, is going to bother me a little bit. So uh, FLM at the beginning of the round, if they have still four changers, they can push one away from the line. Obviously, Hexbane has uh, multi-moves. That helps them a bit as well. So there's there's give and take. I still think uh, Saranai is strong into Hexbane and Saranai does decently into uh, FLM, but, but they have option to counter you as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get too much further, I was going to talk to you a little bit about deck construction. You talked about, uh, your, your gambits being something that needs shoring up. Uh, and I know that void curse, every time I make a void curse deck, there's at least five that I'm usually like, yep, I I can easily take five from there. And some often a couple more, like, uh, maybe, maybe not in there, uh, with objectives though, that's often where I have to really make some hard decisions. How much of the, uh, I, did you end up reaching for reshaped realm or uncounted cost or tipping point? Those ones that really are looking to just lay out a ton of void curse, or were you trying to not lean that hard into the void curse mechanic with your deck? So, so yes and no is, is the answer. Uh, kind of a blend of this. Uh, obviously, surrendered will and involuntary interdiction. Yeah. For for the um, the surges sides are. I mean, I wouldn't say auto-includes because some warbands that have very strong surges can afford to do without. But uh, when you know three of your surges option are kill surges and uh, on the Serenite deck, and you're trying to play KG, you you have a little bit of a problem there. So yeah. so so uh, obviously going into the the Vorkus package, uh, surrender will and involuntary interdiction are very strong because your opponent can score them for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, surrendered will the only way uh, you can score it if the opponents actually is void cursed. Yeah. Uh, in terms of end phases, uh, I already mentioned uh, uncounted cost and unwitting guardians. Yeah. Sorry, uh, unceasing imperatives and unwitting guardians. So, yeah. what you do with your own void curse? And I did play into uncounted cost because I was expecting to die eventually. That's something that you. Uh, should be scoring in the end just sure. because uh, you die, they die. That, that's the nature of the game. Um, it keeps you that, uh, you know, uh, um, pure carnage light, if you mm-hmm. will. Yeah. So so I, I don't think I've ever not scored it unless it was in my hand in the first round and I ditched it. Uh, yeah. but, but in the third round, I don't think there's ever been a game where Uncontest Cost was not a... In, in, a, in a situation to be scored. 
and often whichever fighter you avoid cursed is all of a sudden the easiest fighter to take down because you've locked their you know unless they have unless they're going over the top with like armor of ice uh you've set their defense to one block which is uh often a downgrade from whatever else they might have had so that makes sense yeah the, so the void curse fighter on their side is usually easier to kill but also depending on what i had uh in hand at the time i would make my own Voidcus fighter a very incentive, uh, incentivized target, just so uh, if someone dies, it's this one, and that's good because that advances that game plan. In the next uh, next round, I can Voidcus another fighter. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I, w- I wouldn't do that if I only had Siren left after, but <laughs> yeah. that, that rarely happens. Like it's, uh, I don't think I've had two Voidcus Siren I more than once uh, in, the, in the third round. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we spent our last episode kind of looking at what warbands were coming, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the pairings here. Uh, you were kind of operating with some similar info, maybe a little bit insight into what your teammates were bringing, but uh, you knew you knew that there were two Domitans, there were three FLMs, um, there was a slew of Hexbane, uh, Gnarl Spirit Pack was there in force, and then there was some uh, scattershot of some other things like, uh, well, Molog, uh, Headcracker, uh, Crimson Court. Uh, so uh, Gore, Chosen, Gore Chosen was in there too. Looking at that setup uh, and perhaps before you knew what people were pairing with, was there any of those warbands that you're like, I'm, uh, I'm worried to go against this or I'm relieved that they're not even represented here? Yeah, so, so Domitan. Obviously, uh, as soon as uh, Death Gorge dropped, uh, I think every experienced player knew that Force of Frost Domitan was going to be a problem, uh, mostly because of Avalanche, but not only. It's just this, the, the deck just gives them too much. They were already a strong warband, not particularly imbalanced in Nemesis. Uh, I know they're, they're a problem in Championship, but they were fine, in my view, in Nemesis. Uh, Force of Frost made them very problematic uh, for sure so there was that then um i would say uh gorchos and headcracker were the other two that were worrying me a little bit uh gorchos and just because having only three fighters against me means they don't really have to stand in line with Serenai. Mm-hmm. and also even if they do well it's going to take a lot of activations to bring them down uh, yeah yeah that, that, that's the one thing with the warband uh is it's really great to not roll dice and do damage but uh it works very well to bring down two or three wound fighters uh mm-hmm. when you start to get into the four five six wounds realm uh it's just yeah it's just not working. Uh, yeah, the gore, the gore Hulk will probably happily take one auto damage in exchange for a I mean, blood tithe. A, you yeah, know? exactly. They, they, you inspire them for free. Uh, you, you're you tickling them. They have uh, a lot of heals. So <laughs> like the, 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 the game against uh, Willy, uh, who was playing Gore Chosen, was uh, a stressful one. And I think the only one that I could have never won. Uh, all the others, I... I, I even if it was an uphill battle, uh, I had chances. I think against against Willie, I had none. Um, the the other one that was worrying me and to good reason, for good reason was uh, Headcracker, just because Headcracker scores a lot in Nemesis. They're, they're an extremely strong warband, mm. and uh, and I knew 
because I saw his prep um, and I saw in some of his uh, practice games that uh, Val was going to bring Breckneck Slaughter and that just means he reaches me everywhere and uh, and that's what I want to avoid in the first place. So uh, I, I did good into uh, North Spirit Pack and Crimson Court. I was expecting that a little bit just because only Sarakar has that insane reach. All the others, they have to get to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they get pinged, on, pinged heavily on the way. Mm. Uh, but uh, Headcracker, same thing. We're in that uh, conundrum of having four wounds per fighter. They also have a Thick Hide, which is an insane counter to Serenai, because obviously if they take one damage, they take zero. Uh, that's, uh, that's really, really hard to handle. Yeah. So I could have won uh, the game against Val, but I would have needed way more than average dice, like really lucky dice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jan, Willy, there, there was really nothing I could have done because his deck was also quite passive, so I could not even out-passive him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so if I, it's, it's, it was kind of a damn if I do, damn if I don't. I either throw myself into the loving arms of the Gore Elk, or I just, <laughs> I, I just stay in the back and they laugh at me from uh, within one X of no man's land. Yeah, I, uh, I got to play a little bit with Val leading up, and that was kind of the first I saw of the breakneck slaughter. Uh, really, some of the stuff it could do. I was pretty impressed. I. Uh, I did him a little dirty there because I was trying to help him have ideas on what to try against. And I helped him practice into, uh, soul raid and there was no soul raid there. Oh. Uh, and then, uh, I, I'm still going to try and follow up and get his thoughts And my intention was to do it before this episode, but, uh, did not come together. So, um, but, uh, interested in some of his take cause he was another one of a kind war band there. Uh, he was the only head cracker and the only breakneck slaughter, which was kind of cool too. So yeah. I'm, I'm actually surprised. Like I was expecting more head crackers just yeah, because right. I mean, they're really, really strong. Like they, they have like primacy, you know, they're the only warband that can play primacy uh, yeah. and good luck taking it away from them in Demesis. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, uh, right. like it, maybe you do it once when you kill Headcracker and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, so they just have this free two or three glory per round. They have the great hunters that is extremely hard to deny as well. Uh, like you, you can expect them to bomb you with five glory in the third hand phase. Mm. And uh, like they, they're a really, really strong warband. Uh, I think Breakneck was a great counter against my particular play style. Uh, I would expect more to see them on uh, Daring Delvers or. Um, uh, fearsome fortress or even force of frost mm. just for more um like uh, reliability mm-hmm. because with breakneck slaughter you're still exposing yourself to being popped yeah and yeah. uh and and mad mob actually have this capacity of also outpassing out passing a lot of warbands mm. uh but not if you're playing breakneck slaughter so yeah still like a Val beat me fair and square. Like uh, that was that was actually my first game of uh, of the tournament. I was like, okay, I oh, wow. hope the other ones are going better because uh, yeah, that was uh, really really hard to just. We traded blow for blow, but in the end, uh, the scoring is just too hard to handle. So you 
through there were five matches for the opening round. Am I do I have that correct? And then they would yes. do a top eight yeah. cut. So okay. what was funny here is uh and G actually had a better comprehension of the whole uh tournament bracket system because um than than we did. We we thought we had it and then he made a correction of ours. Um but it started out with uh two pools of play. So the players were split up into two equal pools of uh numbers wise and basically they got paired off against each other in order to determine the top eight the top four from two pools i believe basically one of the things to clarify is we were also playing everybody was playing for world points or their uh their country points so when people were paired off against each other they tried not to pair against somebody they'd already played against obviously but if everything else was equal, they would try not to pair you against a countryman. Mm. Uh, it would have to be an extreme tie in order to pair up against a countryman so that you weren't denying each other country points. Uh, but yes, two rounds first day. Uh, it was four hour rounds each. The idea behind that was uh, people are flying internationally, jet lag, uh, language barriers, all sorts of reason to give people ample amounts of time. It's also... Uh, the larger game systems are going on at the same time. Uh, so two rounds the first day, three hour rounds the second day, three rounds on the second day. Yeah, so I just wanted to to actually expand on the aparte on, on on the the event in general and the, the scoring system for country. Uh, I think it was amazing. Uh, like uh, I, I I don't have particularly strong feelings for or against uh, Games Workshop. I know it's a very divisive, divisive uh, company. I really don't buy into the, the drama. But uh, on on that particular event, uh, I think it was great uh, what uh, Mike uh, and, um, and his team put together uh, was really amazing, enjoyable experience. So I invite everyone to try to qualify uh, for next year, run qualifiers, apply for spots, get out there uh, because we want more players there. Uh, it, it was really, really great event. Hell yeah. So you're, uh, you played your five and then you made it into the top eight. Is that correct? Yes, so I uh, I ended up with a record of uh, three and two, and I I just got in on tiebreakers. Uh, ironically, uh, over Val. Uh, oh no! <laughs> uh, which uh, uh, I know uh, I, I know he felt bad about, and I, I do feel bad about uh, a little bit as well because uh, he beat me uh, in in our head to head, right? But mm-hmm. uh, it was clear in the rules from the start that. Uh, first tiebreaker is the strength of schedule and because i had to play against a man which went and uh, who went undefeated i had a a better strength of schedule than him in the end so that's why i qualified over him Mm. uh and then launched into that top bracket and uh, how did the top bracket go for you so uh, I started playing against uh, Mark, which is uh, Bacon Born from uh, Path to Glory. And he was playing Voidcrest as well, Voidcrest Hexbane. Uh, uh, as I mentioned before, I think uh, my deck was uh, good against Hexbane. Uh, and uh, I ended up winning that first game. I uh, got into a match against Cyril, who was the FLM Force of Frost player. And uh, ended up losing that game. Um, 
which is uh, the, the 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 match I'm the most bitter about because it really came down to the very very last dice roll. Oh, uh, he he needed a crit with Spawnmo on three dice uh, uh, to do three damage with Grievous and kill me and win the game, mm-hmm. and he got he got crit hammer. So uh, there was nothing I could do. Brutal. So it, it, it's it's fine. Uh, the uh, you know at the end of the day, we're playing still a dice game. Uh, even if my warband and my playstyle tries to avoid that as much as possible, uh, that's something you you accept uh, going into the game. That some dice rolls are going to go your way and some are not. And uh, this time, uh, this time it did not, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, it stings a little bit uh, because that would have also gotten me best overall that, oh. that that one extra uh game uh win uh i i, I ended up second on best overall just behind Derek. uh so obviously if i win one more game uh it gives me best overall which which would have been cool uh but in the end i said i put myself in a position to lose by a dice roll then uh, next time i need to not be in that position and then that <laughs> that dice roll is not going to matter that's uh, a good way to think of it yep and and uh the third game after that in the um uh championship bracket which was like this put me on the redemption path and on my redemption path i ran into willie and his court chosen so as i said it was the, <laughs> the the one game that i know uh there was nothing i could do really so no no regrets uh i am very glad to have cracked the top eight to begin with uh that's uh that was kind of my you know first goal in terms of games is i just make it there and see what happens uh i'm also happy that i got to play against mark and beat him because i think he's an amazing player like uh in terms of uh you know over the board uh i i think it's it's hard to be better than mark uh so, so I, I'm happy that I prevailed in, in our duo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just uh, overall uh, really happy to to make it this far in the tournament, and with a you know a warband that was quite new and also like admittedly uh, in objective value not a top tier warband. Like they're not bad, but they're not up there with uh, you know what we would consider the top dogs in Nemesis right now. So, yeah. uh, Domita Nephilim, Headcracker, Nar Spirit Back, uh, Hexbane. That, that would be my top five. Yeah. I that's can't can't argue with that. There's uh there's good choices all throughout. Um that's an awesome result. Uh so if I am remembering all your accolades correctly, you had third in painting, you were second overall. Uh mm-hmm. And you were part of the Canadian team, which won the event. Uh, Aman won the uh, single player best general. Uh, but I think as, as a team, I think the Canadians walked away with the underworlds. Yeah. So they were tracking uh, what country did best in each system. So 40K AOS and kill team and underworlds. And so Canada uh, did track for best at underworlds because they had six players. Um but also their performance. Um, so, everybody's so, so yeah. And so, sorry, you're like so. I'm gonna stop here because having more players helped having more chances, but uh, yeah. it did not uh, help us accumulate more points in the right. end. So it's it's really the um, the the results. I said we we got first and second on best overall, 
mm. and we got second and third on painting. And yeah. that's, that's what allowed us to, uh, to, to get over even like the deficit of not being the best general, which mm -hmm. USA got through a month, uh, because we really performed well in all the other categories that are also pretty important in their scoring system. Right. Yeah. I was going to, it's uh it was a really robust like tournament system and the way that they represented everything. Um, it's, it's hard to comprehend everything at the start, um, trying to understand it all. Uh, they did also award uh, Best in Factions, which they split it up by every single warband. Uh, originally, it was kind of <laughs> knee-jerk. We were like, why didn't they do by Grand Alliance? But I think like I had a couple conversations with the players, and we're like, no, we actually like that better because it, it makes a more diverse field. Uh, so you also got best infection siren eyes. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I did absolutely yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, and it, it was fun, um, you know. And that happened too in some of the other systems. Uh, somebody who was the only person to bring that faction got best in that faction at the event. Um, but like you said, the more players that you had for the country representing gave you more opportunities to score for your country because. Um, painting and uh which faction you chose and your performance all went into that for scores and what you were contributing um i i thought it was a fantastic system it was cool to see it shake out some confusion but as it shook out everybody's like yeah this is great you know i i agree and uh, obviously i i lived it from the inside i hope yeah. that uh on the outside it helped create some hype uh i, I hope that uh you know games workshop wasn't able to uh, broadcast it and and uh, you know create the, some contrary rivalries and uh, like a, in their coverage. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get a lot of uh, underwards coverage on on the mainstream, but that's also understandable. That's their smallest system at the events. I'm I'm already grateful that we we were there. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And and just uh, like th this is the type of thing that GW should do. Like yeah. th this this really looked like a major company hyping their products and uh and you know like we sometimes complain about them not doing these type of things well now they did and they did it well yeah i i got had a moment like we were so as uh as i was working we were so busy all the time i did manage to steal a moment to ask mike like you know is this running smoother how or is this uh about what you expect he's like no this is running smooth like this is great i'm having a great time I was like, Perfect. hell yeah. Brian, I, I think it'd be a, a good moment now before we kind of do some wrap up overall thoughts. Uh, in case folks didn't listen to the last one or are not aware, you were there uh, as a judge. We, we got our podcast got contacted and asked to if we would be able to provide somebody. And we were we were fortunate to have somebody that we could send. And that was you. Um, so you kind of helped run that event. Uh I was just going to toss it over to you. Uh, any you, You've kind of shared some along the way, but any thoughts you want to share about the kind of overall how things ran or your your perspective from, you know, kind of the outside, but also kind of the inside, you know, you were, you were there um, all throughout it. Uh, I could I could fill an entire episode on my own. So <laughs> I tried to jot something down so that I wouldn't ramble. Uh, so forgive me, I'm just going to try and stick to my script. Um you know, so for context, our crew is presented with the opportunity for one of us to act as Underworld's judge at the World Championship 
of Warhammer. Um, I just so happen to be available and my wife is awesome. That's not a uh, husband having to say those words. It She saw she how probably, awesome. She probably this... doesn't listen, so it's fine. <laughs> no, no. She <laughs> saw how awesome the opportunity was and she's like, heck yeah, go do it. Um, so once I was given the title of like being a judge, uh, ran one of our local events. And once I got that title, it just found my outlook on the game shifted for the better, uh, viewing the game as a shared experience suddenly became the most paramount thing in my mind. And all my games since have been making that experience as good as possible for both players. Personally, I wanted to make sure that the first world's event for Warhammer and particularly Underworlds went smoothly and without controversy so that there would be more in the events in the future. There was no guarantee that this was going to be a success and we wanted to make sure this went off without a hitch. Um, It was a privilege to be able to assist the events team that had been working for years in building up to such a finale and I dare say they crushed it. Um, My favorite part was helping to facilitate those shared experiences in this game that we love at the highest level. Um, Interacting with each player at the event just further expanded my awareness of this awesome global community that we have in Underworlds. As much as I thought I got enough time to talk to each participant, and I wish I had more. <laughs> I I wish we had the forethought to take a photo of the entire, all of the participants in the event. Mm. Uh, but I am thankful that Amon had the presence of mind to get a photo th- that we do have of the top eight participants. Uh, so I'd, I want to share that on some of the discords here. Um, and I want to extend an invite to those participants that I haven't yet connected with on Discord to message me or friend me on Discord so that we can keep in touch. I really want to see how these local events just, uh, I want to, I want to see how this next world grows, uh, throughout the year. I want to see people at local events. I talked with Sebastian. I'm going off script now. (laughs) I talked with Sebastian and he said that they had an an, an event in Poland with 70 some players. I'm like, you're kidding me and he's like no 70 i was like get them over here let's do this like you know let's get more tickets over to poland uh i want like team france had an awesome uh representation at the event they had jerseys and they were super organized they had a huge team photo it was really cool to see cyril was part of that um and i, I just that was really cool i want to see more teams more uh countries coming over back on script uh, <laughs> um but yeah, so I want to extend the invite to friend me and message me on Discord. I want to see this next year growing up. Uh, you know, uh, we've I think we've only scratched the surface on the talent of Underworlds. Everybody was saying how they had talent back home, you know, 70-some players at in Poland, etc. And I, I want to see that realized at, at next year's World Championship of Warhammer 2024 Underworlds event. So excited. I'm just buzzing. I could keep going, but I'm going to keep it to that. Fair enough. Well, so it, it sounds like uh, it sounds like a good experience as a player, good experience as a judge. Uh, I, I, I do want to uh, thank. I, I did have another judge there with me. It wasn't all me. I had okay. uh, John was helping me. He helped me on some of the finer things on the event as a whole and judging and best practices. So, thank you, John. And I, I think as a as a player, uh, uh, I can also thank you both because. Uh, without judges, the event is not happening, or at least not happening smoothly. That's for sure. Uh, that's also something I'm a bit sensitive about because I, I'm a referee myself in my in my sports, uh, which is rugby. So uh, I know a good judge when I, when I see one, and 
both of you are amazing. Uh, I think the the participants were also amazing, like a amazing display of sport matchy from from everyone. But uh, the uh, having an event with so much exposure run that smoothly uh, that says a lot about the work you guys did. So thank you. Thank you so much, G. Um, yeah, I was happy to make rulings, which uh, I get flack rightfully so on this podcast for read the card brian (laughs) so when i was the one that was available i was like oh really why me um but yeah it it also i think spoke to uh how humble this community can be because like these are the top players and they were asking me to make uh rulings on things i'm like you know how this works he's like i just want to make sure i'm not screwing my opponent over like (laughs) i'm like no no that's in the rules you know it and the other guy's like yeah you can do that to me (laughs) Uh, so it was, it was a great time overall. I loved it. Well, uh, let's, I just want to take a little bit of time before we wrap things up to, to talk about kind of the, the takeaway, having seen all that in action, we made some predictions, we made some guesses about pairings. Um, one, one of the predictions I'm, I'm happy we were able to make is we, we, uh, I think Phil and I sort of figured that Domitan force of frost was the, was the combo to beat. I might have even used the words degenerate when talking about, that. <laughs> uh, which is not to take anything away from Amon. I think he like recognized that. I if if I had been attending, I don't know that I had recognized just how um, substantial it was until a little bit closer to. Uh, G, you mentioned you know that a lot of experienced players spotted it out of the gate. Yeah, no, it's it's a world championship, so you got to bring the heat. And you know, yeah. I respect people trying to take off takes or counter takes. Um, I mean it. Uh, G here had the dark horse. Um, you know, you don't think that somebody's going to be able to bring the brand new fresh war band and uh, perform so well, but that, that's why we're talking because that's a really cool pick. Yeah. Uh, but I, I guess I wanted to pass it around and give folks a chance to uh, give some thoughts on the, on the state of nemesis. And we're talking at kind of the highest competitive level. Uh, I think Brian, what you and I often see here locally is that we have enough players that are really casual or like, I just want to do something fun that, uh, we're not always exposed to like that that bleeding edge of the uh, most vicious combinations, um, and this is I mean this is obviously the place where you can and should try to bring that stuff. Um, what what uh, thoughts do you guys have at this at this very high level of competition where people are are bringing the sharpest knife they can bring? So uh, I'll start by congratulating him on on his uh, well deserved win and uh, the fact that he. Uh, is playing Domitian with Force of Frost is what a strong player should do. Like if you want to win an event, you bring what you think is the strongest and you play it to perfection. And this is what he did. He brought what he thought was the strongest and he played it to to perfection. So he won and congratulations on that. Uh, Mm -hmm. He did have a huge scare against Willy because Willy's deck was really geared against Domitant Force of Frost. That that was the entire thing. Uh, the the principles that worked against my deck also worked against Domitant, as in I think his deck could outpassive Domitan. So Domitan had to come to uh, the Warhawk. And uh, and there are still, you know, only four wounds, five, uh, if Domitan himself is inspired. And the Gorher can very, very easily get to four damage with Tooth and Claw and to an unmanageable amount of dice. So so I, I didn't see the game. I was playing a game of my own, obviously, but I know that uh, Aman came 
really, really, really close to to losing that match against Willy, and um, and uh, it told me that uh, he was really, really happy that uh, that Willy got uh, taken out of the tournament by an Ephilim, which you know his deck works less against because that's definitely a, a final that could have gone either way and maybe probably easier easily in the the way of willy so so props on him for identifying what is the absolute strongest answer to what people thought was the absolute strongest pairing uh i think that the uh uh void curse hexbane was also an attempt at that uh but it didn't work as well as what willy brought mm. Yeah, I got to see Amon sweat a few times, which is fun to see, especially when he was running undefeated. It's like, dude, you're good. you're doing good. Like, it's fun to see you sweat now. Uh, <laughs> Willie and Sebastian both made him really sweat, and that was uh, fun. But yeah, he brought the heat, played with the sharpest knife, and played it to perfection. Uh, but yeah, it was great. Um, um, I had a question put to to both of you here regarding this this uh, spread of warbands in my head when I was thinking about it, I was like, man, it was all elite warbands. Like, well, that's not entirely true. There was, a, you know, there's a five count warband with Ephilim and there's a six count with Hexbane. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, so why do I have that in my head? And I was like, well, it's because there's no, none of these warbands. Some, some people here or there are interested in holding objectives, but nobody's going like a full, like sepulchral guard or a uh, grim watch style. Like, Hey, I really want to hold a lot of objectives. Um, and I know, is, is that only because of Avalanche or is there more at play there, do you think? And uh, is that is that a problem or is that just a fluctuation in your in your guys' minds? So I, I can take this one. Uh, I think there's a, a double problem uh, with more horde-oriented warbands in Nemesis is uh, that, first of all, you probably don't have enough end-phase glory to um, counteract your glory bleed. And uh, and the other uh, the other point is you're paying the the glory tax twice because in Nemesis you will have more often uh, a kill surge just because you have to dig a little bit deeper in the pool and uh, experienced players don't like kill surge in general just because you you have to have the card in the hand at the time you make a kill that meets the condition so if you're if you're playing championship you're barely taking a kill surge unless it's kill a fighter and that's it. Uh, in Nemesis, usually uh, you have to dig deeper and uh, you end up with one or two of these. And having easier to kill fighters uh, means that you're also not only giving away more glory, but helping your opponent just get uh, his deck rolling. There's also more uh, X pl- uh, fighters out of action uh, and phase objectives that you have to take in Nemesis. So you're really being punished twice for bringing two wins fighters. So only really uh, Hexbane, which are, are otherwise extremely strong, really, really afford to bring two wins fighters. Uh, I would say that uh, FLM has a few of these, but they're kind of artificially two wins because even Spinning yeah. Finger takes, uh, takes one extra to to be brought down so avalanche obviously exacerbates that uh in um you know a a fun pairing that 
can work and do a lot of uh, good work would be um, Grizel with uh, Breakneck Slaughter. Mm. Uh, but if you're expecting to run into Avalanche, that's just unplayable. Yeah. I I think yep. uh, one of the other things I, I was noticing is as, as we get more changes to the charged out rule, uh, those elite warbands, those smaller fighter warbands can really leverage it. Uh, I played against Phil. He was running the uh, Storm Coven Force of Frost, and I was like, man, these guys don't hardly even care that they've all charged. Like they're still operating at almost full efficiency. Uh, and those bigger war bands can't really get to that. Yeah. There was only two force of frost decks present. So avalanche was definitely a threat. Um, but I think G's point is much more, uh, fundamental to it. Yeah. yeah like the, the charge out rule, uh, is, you know, great to give you more things to do and not having a, you know, dead activation three and four, where you're just drawing part cards or cycling objectives. It's just, it's good for the dynamics of the game for sure. But yeah. uh, it has made elite warbands uh, stronger, and especially when they got range. And yeah. and especially when they don't have five wounds, so they don't give away <laughs> two glory. So this is, this is no surprise that strong warbands right now are, uh, are four by four. Like at, at some point in the, the history of the game, four by four were the standard. And then they started to drop in favor of hordes and or big boys. And now we're back in that, uh, in that space where, you know, four fighters, four warbands are like more recently, sometimes variations of that uh, with a little bit less wounds or one less fighter, but they're stormcast and they have a amazing range uh, just makes it that, you know, you always have options, even if you have one or two fighters left and you're not giving away glory. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, Avalanche is increasing the problem. But I think even before Force of Frost, we were uh, seeing that change mm-hmm. towards more elite that does not get large. All right. Well, I think we'd be remiss if we did not... Uh, at least run down, uh, acknowledge some of the winners. We've kind of talked about them in passing, uh, but uh, Brian, do you think you could uh, hit through some of the uh, award winners for the event? Yeah, so um, I did manage to... They, they had an awesome award ceremony. Um, in fact, I want to talk a little bit about after this, about the year going forward, or the next year. Um, but I do have the awards here. Uh, just for Underworlds. Um, they awarded for, or, uh, gold, silver, bronze for best in faction. So uh, like we said, G here has gold for best in faction, Siren Eye. Um, I'm going to go through. Steven got gold for Ephilim and Ricardo got silver. Uh, Crimson Court, Carol got gold. Zach Newcomb got uh, silver. Malog, Christine got gold. Headcrackers, Valentin got gold, Domitan, Storm Coven, Aman got gold, Yuri got silver, and then Hexbane, Mark got gold, Sylvester got silver, David, bronze, Gore Chosen, Willy got gold, and Gnarl Spirit, Sebastian got gold, Derek got silver, and Damien got bronze. Then so after the two days of pool play and the players got split up into the top eight and then the lower 10 would have the world's bracket, uh, they did track those and those results 
did ultimately go towards uh, their performance, which led to overall points. But for the bracket, uh, Derek from Canada, uh, Captain Murder, got first place in the world's bracket. Uh, Second place was Carol. Third place was Val. Uh, In paint, Sylvester got gold. Yuri got silver. And G got bronze. And then best overall for paint and performance, Derek, Captain Murder, got gold. G got second with silver. And Cyril got third with bronze. And then for our best general, just game performance purely. Aman obviously took podium. Uh, He is our world champion. Cyril, his uh, opponent in the final, got silver. And Steven got third. So congrats to all of our winners. It was a really great event to be a part of, and the award ceremony was fun. Um, brief note, uh, we were we were the smallest event, so we were the first awards to be awarded. Uh, it was a bit hectic because it went late with three death matches in the other game systems. Underworlds wrapped up first. Um and Derek here, I don't think he, I don't think anybody realized how many prizes that were going to be given out. Derek got a little, uh, little tipsy, and when he got best overall, he lost his mind and he charged <laughs> Mike and bear hugged him, picked him up. I don't know what it is with you Canadians and rugby, but Derek, a rugby <laughs> player, just picked up Mike Brent and just shook him, and <laughs> he was so excited. Got his award. Mike's like, if any of you are going to match that energy, don't. <laughs> I, I peed a little or something like that. Um, great energy. The The whole room was awesome. Um, and then Mike dropped some crazy big um, reveals on us that, uh, what was it? The top eight of each game systems event uh, qualified for the following year. So, G here, you're in for next year. <laughs> I am. Yeah. I, I only just learned of that uh, development a, a couple couple days ago, talking to someone else in that top eight, and that's, uh, that's super cool. I like that there's guaranteed some continuity between them. Yeah, it's so. going to be neat, but uh, there's more on top of that. And all of this, like, I mean, I haven't seen a Warcom article uh, totally detailing all this, uh, but I also haven't ran through the entire blog. I was living through the blog while the event was going on, so I should go through with a fine-tooth comb and see what is or hasn't been said. But uh, the other reveal uh, was that the best general and best overall for each of the game systems would get an entire year worth of free content for their system. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Which I don't know how they're handling that for 40k and AOS because that's a lot. <laughs> uh, but for Underworlds, uh, both of the recipients of that said that they were going to take that and use that to grow their locals. So, yeah, excited. So, so you remember when I said I wasn't salty about that dice roll against Cyril? That made me, <laughs> that made me reconsider it a little bit. But, but, but yeah, not just uh, about uh, the the top eight uh, making. Uh, the qualification for next year. Well, first of all, that's great because it kind of hints at the fact that there is going to be a year two, mm-hmm. uh, and um, and I think and I think that's amazing. But also, it open it opens up spots because uh, we're still going to go to events, but maybe we're not going to try hard as much. And and even if we do win, then the runner up is going to get the qualifier. Yeah, and uh, that, that will just. Uh, 
I would say like uh, the event was almost perfect. And I think the, the only thing he, he was maybe missing is a little bit more players. And uh, mm-hmm. I, and I know that's going to sting uh, some listeners that probably would have hoped to be there. Uh, so that's why I'm saying just let's go to qualifiers. Let's run events. Uh, we, we were the smaller system. We're probably mm-hmm. going to continue to be, but we can grow. Like we have a very, very tight community. Uh, we are, we're almost all internet friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and I'm sure that we're not going to dilute the quality if we get up to 32 players for next year. Absolutely. Like, yeah. we, we, we can have, like, you know, larger than that, uh, I, I, I don't know if, uh, if we can support top, top, top play for a larger amount than 32, but 32 players, I'm, I'm sure there's, uh, you know, 20 more players out there that could beat me. No problem. Oh, oh, gee, I've got faith. I think we can snowball this thing. I think we can absolutely roll it. The 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 venue that this was held at is also known for hosting Dragon Con, and it's a chain of three hotels all connected. And I think it just means that uh, where the where the event was, we were occupying one floor. They had a few like other game systems, like Kill Team, uh, the grand narrative stuff going on in smaller rooms on other floors. But there was a whole other like education convention going on above us, which was funny because uh, the educate uh, educators would come down and it was almost like a safari for them. So a couple of them, I managed to, you know, give them a little sales pitch as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they were all curious. They weren't judgy. uh, So that was fun. Um, But there is plenty of room for this event to grow. I think we can absolutely snowball the Underworld's numbers. And like I said, we're just scratching the surface of Underworld talent. Um, so let's do it. Um, nothing's official on how the future qualifier events will operate or how the ticket system works. Uh, I did learn, and I don't know if this will change for next year, but, um, I did learn that there was a difference in tickets. There were some qualifier events that had silver tickets and some that had gold tickets. Gold tickets meant that there was some portion of it that was paid for to get you there. Uh, and silver tickets were simply an invitation. Mm. Um, so I don't know how that system's going to go They're, I think after, obviously they're going to look at how this one went and how they want to implement it for the next one. They wanted to make a conscious effort that the event hosted in the U S did not just have a majority of U S players at it. Uh, so international players listen up, like they're going to be looking to get events out there, the recognition and qualifiers to get you guys over here because, they want to have that representation. Like I think total out of all the players at world championships, only about 30% were American, which I think is awesome that it was an actual international event. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, and, and you could see like uh, France, obviously had a big representation, Spain as well. Mm-hmm. It's pretty huge. Oh yeah. Uh, we were right next to kill team and there was so many Spaniards over there. Um, <laughs> Sylvester was our Spaniard and uh, yeah, he, it was great. Yeah, and, and I think they had like uh, almost forty countries uh, represented yeah. in, in total. So that that was uh, like really, really impressive. Uh, and you know, in Underworlds, we had three Americans, which I think is uh, in line with the, the percentages uh, that others had. We obviously had the, uh, a slight overrepresentation of Canadians, but that's just because we win. We win down south. Yeah, no, you came care. down and you took them fair and square. We got to lock it down this year. We're going to make sure that we retain those. <laughs> We're going to uh, try. But what was it? The They did, I think, uh, 
Mike had also said that eventually, if this just continues to grow and grow, like they really kind of see this as the Olympics of Warhammer. And the goal would be to eventually get it to where they could have one of these championships at an event or a a destination outside the U.S. Um, But right now, Atlanta is a massive international airline hub, and it Mm. makes it easiest for people to get to it. That makes sense. It'd be cool. I, I'm I'm excited that it feels like it's got momentum for uh, more in future years. I'm so, so. buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you and I, we got a buzz about LVO because that is scary close. Um, it I seems got like months, it, <laughs> months plural still. Yeah, uh, at my painting rate, I am already behind in that case. So I I just got my base coats down on my warband. All right. Uh, and I think I know which one it is. So, uh, we'll keep that secret, keep, keep it safe. It's uh, not so secret, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We, uh, we have a little bit of outro to do here. You know how we do these things. You, if you want to get in touch with us, you can catch us on a discord. That's usually the best place to do. So you can send us an email, what the hexcast at gmail.com on the site, formerly known as Twitter at, at WTH cast. Uh, G is in the discords as G um just g just g uh g uh, would you be willing to send a link to the deck you used could i could i uh, share that uh in the show notes yeah absolutely i'll, I'll send okay. it also it's uh i think on the repository of the battle mallet uh, yep. they, they got all the the top eight decks uh, oh i th- i thought i tried to skim through it and i uh must have blasted right past it so um yep. okay uh cool well, then, if that's the case, then we'll just link straight to that. We should also say thanks to the Mortal Realms. That's where all our content is hosted, themortalrealms.com, part of that greater network. All the shows there, Path to Story, Dogs of War Cry, and uh, the the flagship podcast, or sometimes we just refer to it as a story phase because it's our, uh, it's our uh, narrative, uh, AOS narrative one. Coming up, we're hoping we can cover Dagok Stab Lads, depending on how they release. Usually we, we see something pretty quick, like I said, after uh, after the preview, uh, but we're not sure what the release date is. Uh, we're going to be getting hyped for LVO. Got to figure that out. And um, we, we, uh, we'll do some little bit of recording in advance. We're going to try and give ourselves, uh, if not a, a release schedule break, uh, we'll try and record something that's a little uh time agnostic so we can we can have a little downtime here for us as well uh we have our outro segments uh brian looks like you've uh you've got something holstered for flavatex quiz i do do you have a recommended listening for us i do uh, okay cool so all right g you ready i am all right uh no hints for this one uh oh boy. yep so I have survived pressure that would turn you inside out. Uh, this obviously has got to be uh, something from Siren Eye. Uh, is it? Is it an upgrade? It is. Okay. What was? What are the defensive upgrades, G? Because I, I think it's got to be one of those. Uh, so you got Void Shield, which is minus one dice. Um, you got uh, Incredible Dexterity, which you get a. A card token. I don't think it's this one. Um, you got Gifts of the Depth, which is the a reroll, defensive reroll. That sounds okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, we got. 
Uh, cool. Well done. Uh, your recommended listening for this one is a tip of the hat to Sirenai. It is The Sea, and that's by Sierra Farrell. And that's uh, off her album. Well, she's only got the one full length that's uh, for general release right now, but that's a long time coming. Uh, hey, G, thanks a ton for being on. We really appreciate it. Um, we, uh, we'd hope to, hope to see you in person here, uh, next, next year in Atlanta. Maybe, maybe we can rep ourselves. So G, are you going to any other events this year? Uh, I will, I will go to a few, uh, I'll go to, uh, Calgary for sure. Uh, I'm trying to get to Adapticon, uh, if things Ooh. are lining up. Uh, and then for the rest, I'll, I'll see what pops. Uh, I am also in very advanced discussion to host an event in Ottawa. Awesome. Oh, well done. That's what well, you love to hear. Uh, if you get to make it out to Adepticon, uh, reach out to us. We'll take care of you. And uh, if you get that event going in Ottawa, let us know. We'll hype it up for you. All right. Amazing. Awesome. All right. For what the heck's, I've been Davey. I've been Brian. And I've been G. And How do you uh, find these things. Uh, that, that's one I'm hoping to see her in Milwaukee next year. I, I, I like her a lot. She's she's pretty cool. Um, just different YouTube channels and all that sort of thing. Give me recommendations. I don't know. <laughs> Not a very a total interesting music answer. guy. Totally different than me. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got we just got our Spotify wrapped, and it was fun to look through that with the kids. I think we were at uh, thirty seven thousand minutes listened or something like that. Good Lord. So. <laughs> uh anyway